many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Passing 50. We're glad you're with us today. This is Robin Boyd with you. And today we're going to focus on our perspectives of fear. When we were children, um, there were many things that we needed to learn. And of course, maybe we hadn't learned to be fearful of them yet. Eventually, the risks that we took as children had a cause and effect. Uh, Will I fall off my bike? That would hurt. But were we determined to learn how to ride that bike? You bet. We, We overcame that fear with our skill and our determination to finally learn how to not fall off and to enjoy riding a bike. Now, as young adults, we learned, um, that cause and effect of studying for finals, for example, in college uh, as young adults, the fear of not getting a high enough grade point or are we going to get on the dean's list? The thing, Think of the stress that we had to uh, of that first job when we first got out of college, finding our first apartment and do we have enough to pay our bills? Well, those might have been anxiety moments, but truly they were fear because we just didn't know. Then if you're a parent, you know the fear of that first child. Uh, am I doing it right? They're crying. What does that mean? But by child two or three, you've got that parenting thing down and intuition overcomes fear. <laughs> oh, gosh, that is until uh, the, they get their first license or <laughs> they start going dating or <laughs> that first boy comes knocking on the door. You know, that's when fear just all of a sudden just comes all over us again. But, you know, for most of us, I think once we got our jobs to sustain us, we had a partner, maybe a house or at least a comfortable dwelling. And dare we say, we felt in control of our adulthood comfort equates to having very little true fear which which i think quite honestly is separate from the daily stresses of apprehension we're talking about true fear but then as we get a little bit older now we're facing maybe our careers are winding down maybe our partners are no longer our partners um do we have enough in our retirement fund can we afford to go on medicare the children have grown and especially what i'm experiencing now the kids are across the country what what if i get sick um our elders need care can i keep up with my job um, and and what? how can I do elder care and keep up with my job or what if I get sick and my son is in, in uh, Colorado that's scary that's, fe- that's fear once again we're facing fears that for quite a while we thought we were a little impervious to fear is a fascinating mechanism and we really want to talk about that with our guest today Kathy Craffey we either succumb to it or we conquer it. 
we're going to uh, have a discussion today, and I have a feeling that this is going to evolve into probably more than one discussion because um, there's a lot to it, and you can really focus on one element or you can really focus on a lot. Uh, Kathy has done a lot of talking in her recent blogs, and if you haven't, I encourage you to read every single one of Kathy's blogs. In one of the blogs she recently wrote, she said, fear triggers an alert that is that it's time to be brave. We can heed the warnings offered around us, prepare, and stand strong. Fear allows us to find our courage and step into defining moments, alert and empowered for victory. Oh, Kathy, I could be strong if you were by my side, I'll tell you. <laughs> I think I could face anything. Hello, Kathy. Welcome. Robin, you know I'm always so joyful when I get to be with you on a show. You're just so encouraging to me. So oh. thank you for that beautiful introduction. You you covered so many things in, in your opening about fear. I think we do face fear, and, and it is truly different from say just the anxieties of course you're you're going for a job interview you're going to be nervous you're um going to the dentist that might evoke more than just nervousness maybe that is fear and and um we do need to sort of identify maybe some of those triggers that cause it um and and we can probably segregate them into just nervousness and stress but um i like i can can I finish that analysis for my boss tomorrow? That's another one. I think, yeah. you know, if you, you have a lot of work obligations. Has fear ever been a dictator in your life, Kathy? Yes. In fact, when I, I have a church that's really committed to prayer, and it, it seems like whenever I go forward and ask for prayer for the body, the small body of believers where I'm a member, I, I find that usually when I get up there, it is something I'm fixing to do that is scaring me, and I'm afraid. And a lot of anxiety with that. And so it's fear is a recurring theme to me. And just recently, I guess because I have dealt with it so much in my past, it kind of came into focus for me in a new way. And I'm eager to share that. And I just appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share it with your listeners because I think it will transform people's lives the way that I'm looking at fear now. At least it is transforming the way we're dealing with it in our own family. I, but I wanted to I want to just mention I love the way you have so many different words for fear like you mentioned stress and anxiety and I can't even count all the ones I was trying to make a list and I was you were talking so fast I missed them but I like to think of those on a on a line from zero to ten like zero being maybe caution like mm -hmm. like some of the words we use that actually have to do with fear but they're very gentle good positive words like mm -hmm. caution. And then on the extreme side would be something, like you said, paralyzed with fear or or paranoia or some of the more extreme, mm -hmm. some, some things that can even go into the mental health, become mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in the middle is kind of the normal stuff that we all deal with every day, like with our stress or anxiety or just butterflies. You know, if you know you're fixing to give a speech and you've got butterflies, or be on somebody's radio show, <laughs> you've got butterflies, you know. That's uh -huh. Those are really healthy things. And so when I think about fear now, I try to think of it as a dashboard rather than as something I'm avoiding or trying. And, and actually, the series on my website that I just put out with my blog mm -hmm. is called Beating the Heck Out of Fear, 
because I think that's really how we feel. We want to be conquerors of our fear, and and but we all we all have it, and it's actually not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I think kids are probably um, less. I don't want to say less susceptible, but maybe I, sometimes younger people are. Um, they they can be more fearless because they are thinking. I'm just going to think about it, drive fast. I'm going to, oh, sure, I'm going to go for that job. I'm going to go drive across the country. I'm going to hike up a mountain. Um, all of those things, I think when you're younger, you kind of feel um, uh, sort of like nothing can nothing can stop you. But yet, I think as we get older, maybe we become a little more vulnerable, partly because we're smarter. Maybe we've learned that those might have been dumb things when we were young that we shouldn't have been doing. But I think it also uh, is a, a trigger of that vulnerability that we are getting old. Our lives are winding down. Our, I mean, I'm not... That I'm in my 60s, but yet I'm still thinking, oh my God, where did the rest? Where did my life just go? Um, I I just had kids in my lap, and now I'm I'm kind of worried about how much longer I've got left, kind of thing, you know. And you do kind of get into that very um, uh, uh, more serious um, issues, I guess. Do you think older people do face more? kinds of fear maybe because of like what I was just saying I think there are different fears that we face and and one thing I do know is because I think God designed our emotions to be really useful information for us this is my perspective that Mm. we're, we're made by a creator who wants us to have good information and so our emotions are one way that we get information about what's going on in our heart and our world around us in our relationships. But I think as we age, our fears do change. But, but I loved this quote, you know, I'm not going to go through hardly a segment without a quote. This one's from, (laughs) I love to borrow as much wisdom as I can. This one's from Nelson Mandela. And he says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that great? And he, he goes on to say the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And I especially think for older people, we have that opportunity to be conquerors because we have had victories in the past. Mm-hmm. We do. We, we learn, you know, this, these butterflies are not going to keep me from getting up and speaking on this subject that I think is so important. And then afterwards we find out other people really are grateful that we spoke up. Mm. So even though it's different pressures, and and I know what you mean, because Dave and I are trying to decide now what retirement will look like for us. But as we, and we've got all these beautiful grandbabies now, and I find, I don't know about you, Robin, but I find some of the things that I worried about with my kids, and I thought I kind of conquered. Now that I have grandchildren, I'm praying about the same old stuff, you know? I know, and it's a different kind of fear because you already know, uh, oh, yes, they are going to walk on that edge. They are going to fall on the fireplace and and crack their heads up. It's true. We've seen it all, and you do get that nervousness. We we have a break, Kathy, coming up, and um, this is such a fascinating uh, topic because as as we're both saying, there are things that can be just maybe nervousness, and I love your – um, 
categorizing of from one to ten because sometimes and and I we'll talk about it a little more later. Uh, sometimes it's um, if we really sit down and look at it in a scale, we kind of put it more in perspective. And I think once something is in perspective, you have um, a little more control over it. So on the other side of the break, Kathy, let's kind of identify types of um, fear and then we can move on. This is Robin Boyd with you on Passing 50. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, If they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But, unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Robin Boyd, and today we're having a wonderful conversation with Kathy Craffey. We always have a wonderful conversation with Kathy. There's there's uh, just no other way. Uh, what a wonderful person Kathy is. I love chatting with you. We want to talk a little bit more about types of um, the way we uh, face fear, I think, and you've talked uh, in your blogs about three ways of that people typically face fear, and you say freeze, flee, or fight. So, th- are you? Do you magnate toward one or the other when fear comes upon you? Yes, and that's one of my theories. I think everyone does, and this is pretty common teaching that people respond three ways. They either freeze with fear, they flee to get away from it, or they fight it. And so my personal response mechanism is fighting. But this is what I began to understand recently, and I've been teaching on it now because I think it's so valuable. It's just changed everything in my perspective. Mm -hmm. So here, let me just give you an example. If a person freezes with fear, like constantly, I bet you hear this too, when I'm sitting at lunch with girlfriends over the last 20 or 30 years, it is so common for a woman to say, well, my husband's so passive. And men get labeled that in our culture quite a bit. Now, you know that I have such a heart for men. I I think they're really up against a lot in the culture we live in now. But if you happen to be living with a man who freezes with fear, one of the things I realized is they're doing that because they don't want to make the situation worse. Mm, mm -hmm. So that's their motive. So understanding their motive about why they're freezing really begins to unchain the whole conversation and the whole dynamic of how 
fear could affect your family. For instance, if if you are married to a man whose natural response to fear is to freeze for whatever reason, then and you label him as passive or or anyone would, then then you have a you know you're you're in a rock and a hard place you can't have any input on. You you're sort of tra- you begin to feel trapped. Mm-hmm. But if you view him as someone who's motivated because he, he cares about his family, he doesn't want to make it worse. The conversation or whatever the situation is that has caused him fear, that, t- that totally changes the dynamic. Now you can have a really constructive conversation if you understand mm-hmm. why. And, and also that's true for us if it's our heart. If I am a person who freezes whenever I get afraid, I may need to identify that. Here's another place I'm using it now is um, with when we when you think about how your children respond to fear. So let me ex- let me just share some of the other ones because I think it's so good if you can identify which ways your different individuals in your family respond, then you can begin to understand God has really created a dynamic that's so beautiful for using fear to motivate us in really positive ways. So the uh, the next one is to flee. Let's just take an example of a woman who's married to a man, and every time they have a difficult conversation, he tends to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's a very dangerous situation because if a person leaves often enough and the family doesn't understand the dynamic, they may begin to view that husband or that wife as a person who is abandoning the family. Every time things get tough, he leaves. She leaves. Mm-hmm. That. Think of how destructive that could be in the way we think. On the other hand, if you understand, oh, my spouse or I have a tendency to flee. What does that mean about me? I I think we're going to talk about that a little later on in the program. So I want people to understand we'll diagnose these first, but then we'll come back and talk about, you know, the positive side of all of these responses. I mean, you know, I come at this from the viewpoint God gave us these things as beautiful tools. There is nothing bad about any of these responses in my mind now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the second one is to flee. And that could be even communicating to the family that that person is abandoning the family every time there's a problem. If it's my, like say a wife knows I tend to flee, she may be tempted to withdraw from her family or even end up divorced because she didn't know how to get back in there. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you that fighting is the way I tend to respond to fear. <laughs> That's the last one. If, if, if your listeners want to go to my blog, I suggest they start there because that's almost confessional for me. It's taken me years to understand that I fight. And my husband used to say, well, you just love to fight. And I would, th- we, you know, he said that one time in front of a counselor and the counselor goes, <laughs> uh, I don't think she likes to fight. I, do you like to fight, Kathy? And I was like, Oh, I don't like to fight, but it is my natural response to fear. And so one thing I can say with certainty is most of the time when people are like me and they're wired to fight, what they're doing that you may feel like they're fighting with you. That's I'm sure David feels like I'm fighting with him. (laughs) What what my motive really is, is I want to fix the problem immediately. I'm not very patient. So Mm -hmm. I take action. And yeah. and, And if, if a person like me who is a fighter, if you live with one like that, that mm-hmm. can be very um, intimidating. But if you are a fighter, if you understand what is 
motivating you, then you can take a step back and think about the fact that you don't want to fight with your spouse. You really want to fight for your family, which is a whole different mindset. So I'm just, I mean, you can tell we're on a a topic I love. I'm, uh, if I'm talking too long, just feel free to go. Oh gosh. No, 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 no. Because I love uh, the explanation of this, this whole concept. And I think everything does come into perspective. It, It almost reminds me recently at our, at our work, we went through a lot of us managers went through, um, Sandler training, which is a sales technique. Um, many, um, I mean, there's many other techniques out there as well, but we happen to be a part of the Sandler training, which identifies personalities to uh, whether someone's dominant, an influencer, a, a stable relator, or if they have to be compliant with everything to the T, to the letter. They, everybody sort of falls into one of those four categories. Fear is kind of the same way because if you know, and, and I think when we say a partner, we're, you and I right now are probably most talking about families but you could actually be talking about a work partnership you could be talking about um, maybe a committee member or any kind of collaboration if you understand the dynamic of the other person and what makes them tick or what makes them freeze or what makes them flee or what makes them fight I think those are the things that um then you have a better tool to be able to be more successful in that partnership. Um, I know there are times that my husband would leave if we were facing a difficult situation. He would flee to to the degree that he needed to cool down. That didn't mean that he was going to escape the whole situation. He just needed to get to a point where he could then come back and talk rationally and then we could be more constructive to fix the issue at hand. So I think understanding your partner is is first and foremost, but I think you also have to understand you um, and how what you need and then be able to express that with each other, to be able to say, I need to handle this right now. If you walk out, I need to know that you're coming back so that we can we can manage it. Or if you're going to freeze and you're not going to face it, we've got this big move. I've got a job down in Utah. I need to know. We, we're, we're afraid to leave the home that we've built. But should we move the kids? Do we need? Yes, you're fearful, but you do need to talk about it. And if you keep putting your head in the sand and freezing over it, it's not going to get resolved either. So... Yes, and so I want to, when we start the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about what I call the pause, pray, proceed, mm. and a way to respond to fear. So this first part, freeze, flee, fight, we've read about that on the internet, and we've seen those options, but the question is, once we get it diagnosed, from my point of view, my question was, how does what does this mean for my family and the family dynamics? I think you were wise to bring up the different personality types because we know that that is really helpful to it, mm-hmm. it helps us when we can identify a person's personality type. It helps us integrate our family in the most sweet kind of fellowship when we value each other's basic design. And and I think fear can also be this way. So when, when in a minute we're going to talk a little bit about how to respond. Mm. Before before we go there though, I wanted to just share one example because. You know, my biggest fear right this last few months has been having my mom move in with our right. family. I have had a lot of anxiety about that, even though 
I would call it butterflies because I was anticipating great things, but I was also a little afraid, like, because there's a lot at stake. I really love her and I really want to honor her. And, and I think that maybe one reason why this clarity came to me about fear, because I think maybe the Lord just knew I needed some information. But one thing that happened is at one point she kind of fled and because I had all this great information, instead of taking it personally, I understood, okay, mom is in transition. She is, has every reason to be afraid. There are plenty of, of, plenty of things that produce anxiety in this transition that we're making together. And as much as we have been very cohesive, it was still real scary for both of us. And mm-hmm. so she tended to flee. Well, a few years ago, I would have felt abandoned and hurt by that. But this time... Because I was prepared with this information, I recognized that as nothing personal about me. It was her needing to have some kind of sense of control and uh, peace about her decision and about the transition she was making. And so when she withdrew and kind of fled uh, momentarily from our home and just left for a little while, I was okay with it. I really understood what was happening and I knew what I needed to do to reassure and encourage her. Mm. So I recognize that my mother tends to flee. Now that's just great because uh, Dave and I have other ways of responding to fear. And now mom is bringing that into our family. And when we come back and talk a little bit about more about pause, pray, proceed, I'm going to tie all that up together so that your listeners will get a chance to understand how the more, different ways we respond to fear, the more likely we are to have really some really great fellowship in the process of overcoming fear. So those are the things we can look forward to. Absolutely. You know, as you're talking, it's it's making me realize fear isn't is something that's within each of us as opposed to um, something that's more external. And I think once we get a handle on what we are experiencing then that opens up the door to be able to share that with somebody else and there again that that's going to lead us into what we'll talk about more in the next segment um because fear is what each of us fear it feel you know what i mean it's not a um uh it's not the battle that each you know against each other or or with somebody else i think it's it's it begins within each within our hearts and then we have to face um how it's affecting each other it does affect everybody around you so once you're able to manage it um then things can move forward so you can be progressive uh with whatever you're facing today we're talking with kathy craffy uh, and i encourage you to go to her website kathy craffy.com and that's c-a-t-h-y-k-r-a-v as in victor F as in Frank, E as in Echo dot com. You will be so pleased to read every single one of her blogs. But in the meantime, we've still got her for the rest of this show. uh, And I'm so excited. Uh, Stay tuned because we will have lots more to chat with Kathy Craffy after this. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's merging. 
next time your parents or grandparents complain about walking to school uphill both ways, you can tell them about a village in China where getting to school is a real adventure. In the mountainous Sichuan province, children have to get to school from their tiny village of Atular by rappelling, abseiling, and clambering down a 2,500-foot cliff. Using ropes and bamboo ladders to scale this one-half-mile-high brachtumic, the journey is so difficult that the school children ages 6 to 15 only return home every two weeks. What's the word for the fear of heights? Hypsophobia. A new set of steel stairs is now being considered to help make the journey to school safer. By the way, a brachtumic is a hill so steep it hurts the stomach of anyone who tries to climb it. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. We are here on Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you. Um, before we get chatting uh, about our topic today with Kathy Craffy, I need to announce something so exciting. Kath, if uh, you have read Kathy's blogs, uh, if you have listened to some of our other uh, shows where Kathy has been a guest, um, I love the fact that uh, Kathy does video blogs or vlogs as they're called. But if that's not enough Kathy for you, she has a new show coming. Coming on the Toganet Network called Fireside Talk Radio. Kathy, I'm so excited. Congratulations. That's fabulous. Well, you know, Robin, you just have inspired me so much. Between you and Sandra Beck, I guess I didn't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I would never do this in a million years. If you had told me even two years ago that I would be hosting a talk radio show, I would have laughed. I I just really cannot believe how everything has come together. It's it's a blessing. To, to me, it's a miracle, and you're just part of the miracle. So oh, thank you. I am so excited. How did it come about for you? I mean, did um, was did you uh, have a topic in mind, or that that your blogs just weren't enough, or how did it come about for you? I I decided to write a book, and I wrote it for my kids originally, and. I got it done, and they were trying to give it away to all their friends, and it was huge. It was just so big. It was costing us a lot of money to reprint it all the time. And so I took it to my friend, and I said, how can I get this thing published? And she goes, well, divide it into three parts. So it's actually a three-part trilogy. It's a, I call it, in my mind, the Fellowship Trilogy. And then as we began to, those became manuscripts, and now we're shopping it around looking for a publisher. And in the meantime, I was told I had to have a platform. Mm -hmm. But in a way, you know, that kind of made sense to me because the ideas that we're putting out there, they were, I, I could tell, they were meeting a need. And so the first book is called The Gentle Art of Companionship, and it's about making your marriage something that you're really happy and comfortable with for a lifetime. And so it's really simple, but clear insight from people who've traveled a long time in marriage and very funny. And I I just, I think it's, it's written to women, but I think the book is so funny because I, I know I have a lot of friends, I have a column and I'm a writer. I've written for the newspaper for a long time. And so when people like when some of my publishers who are men have told me that they read my manuscript and they laughed through the whole thing, I think, okay, <laughs> I, you know, I'm so happy. I mean to be funny, but apparently I am. 
And so in the process of getting that going, I had this opportunity to be on some of these shows with you guys. And one thing led to another. And I just find it's my favorite thing in the day is these wonderful conversations. And I love, like, for instance, when I came on your show the first time and I was supposed to be the guest. And instead, I'm asking you all my questions about (laughs) aging mother move into my house. And you're just full of all this wisdom. And as we're taping it, I'm taking notes. But I'm also thinking to myself, think of all the women in the sandwich generation right now who will benefit from what Robin is sharing. And even just me asking good questions. So my little part of that is just to be the person who doesn't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell people, you don't have to be smart to be a journalist. You just have to be able to get smart people to talk to you and inquisitive and ask those questions while fireside talk radio i can't wait for its launch it will be um on wednesdays is that your time slot no actually it's going to air on sunday morning and it'll be on the local radio here in east texas on i want to call out 104.1 it's called the ranch kkus and then it'll out through Toginet too, so you can get it either way. And I what? guess I'll, I have your shows on my my website, so I'm assuming I'll, I'll have a chance to link these to YouTube or whatever. I'm learning as I go. The whole process has been not. I mean, it's just been overwhelming. I mean, no wonder I know something about fear right now. <laughs> <laughs> Overcoming it. That's it. Facing it. Uh, chances are you'll be on iTunes. Um, so it'll yeah. be great for people to podcast. And uh, I think this is where so many people do um, listen in, even though if you're going on the air, on um, uh, live air, you'll be um certainly have listeners then but podcasting truly is is marvelous because then people can pull it and and listen to it as they are walking as they're on the on the treadmill as they're you know doing whatever they're doing um it's it's wonderful and i'm hoping that everybody downloads all of your shows and uh and listens to every one of them because you are a wealth kathy well i'm trying to get people on the show that will deal with issues that as women, what I call it is the, the things we ponder and store in our heart. Mm-hmm. For instance, like, you know, the wonderful verse in, about Mary pondered these things, stored these things and pondered them in her heart. And I think as women, we just do that. So I'm already going to be talking about some amazing things, sandwich generation. Uh, and also I want to get, I have so many great ideas, but I would definitely want to do a series on mental health issues for women who don't know exactly how to get help, but they understand they need help for somebody in their family. Those, those can be very tricky situations. So in impotence, I mean, there are just so many topics that women, for instance, abortion. When I started talking about abortion, I was, I mean, my friends thought I was crazy to talk about it publicly, but what I've discovered is there's so many topics like that, that women don't know who to turn to and they're they don't even know if they can trust their own friends with some things and so the more we bring these things out in public and talk about them and make them a resource like you said for podcasts for instance mm-hmm. then they can take a podcast take it to their next lunch date with their girlfriend introduce it as a topic in a very non-threatening way and then begin to develop a support system of their own and, and as you know, you and I just naturally do that. We have gravitated to a whole group of women who talk about anything and everything. 
And that isn't it true? I think once the you break the ice and once you're able to say, "Oh, really? You you feel that way too?" or "Oh, that's happened to you you too." Then I think that that guard comes down and you can have those honest conversations. Um and and I think that brings us back to fear, Kathy, because the conversations that might get us through what is fearful in in our life at a given moment, um, how to manage them and how to conquer them is probably the biggest challenge that we have. Uh, you were talking before the break about pause, pray proceed and that how true because you do you you kind of do need to pause you have to sort of regroup reground yourself and say all right what am i really facing before you can can do anything else well and i think getting the diagnosis in your mind well of course i grew up in a medical home my dad was all about diagnosis and Mm. you don't just diagnose the issue you also treat it so for me thinking about freeze flee and fight as I began to think of what is the way we beat the heck out of fear because we know for those of us who are Christians Satan will attack us and he will take any good thing that God has made and try to make it a tool against us so I always keep that in mind with fear anyway because of my own personal perspective on faith but if even for a person who's not a believer and ha- comes at this from a whole different perspective, still the question remains, how do we beat the heck out of fear? And as I began to think about it, I realized the person who pauses, the person who responds to fear by freezing is a person who is naturally judicious and pauses rather than make things worse. Mm-hmm. The person who flees, oh my gosh, you're going to love this one. I'm going to skip it and come back to it. <laughs> The person, the person like me who's a fighter naturally, I mean, my problem is I proceed too fast. So what I need to do is pause, pray, and then take judicious action, mm-hmm. then proceed after I pause and pray. Of course, I skip those two parts, right? <laughs> I just go right for the proceed. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble with that. But but the, my favorite one, I never would have guessed I feel this way, but I mentioned Mother Tends to Flee. Well, yeah. The person who flees is the person who is seeking peace. They really want to avoid conflict enough mm-hmm. that they leave the room rather than have a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. They'll leave the house. They, you know, if they feel uncomfortable, they'll flee. And so that person, if, if, for instance, you have a child, what if your teenage daughter is a person who flees? Well, this is such good information because they are a person who is naturally gifted to pray, but you have to help them understand that. So, for instance, where you'll love this, where who is the Prince of Peace? Like this is one of the titles Mm -hmm. that we have. I'm, I'm asking that rhetorically, but if you want to answer it, feel free. Well, I think we we certainly do turn to God and turn to Jesus when we're in trouble. I think what's unfortunate is that that's the only time sometimes we may turn to him instead of having that that constant open door conversation whereby we gain strength along the way. And then when something is fearful, then hopefully we'd be a little more prepared to be able to face that fear and feel stronger to be able to conquer it. 
Well, I love that you brought up the consistency factor because a person who flees conflict, mm-hmm. if, if they're your child, for instance, and you get to coach them, if you help your small children understand the best place to find peace is with the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I'm not trying to push my views on other people. That's mm-hmm. definitely how I view Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. So in my home, encouraging my mother and helping her and, and I go together to the Prince of Peace really meets that need for her to find a resolution to conflict or any kind of fear or transition and discomfort she feels because of transitioning. So anyway, I love that idea that, um, that the person who flees is the most receptive to seeking peace. Now, in a family, what that de- what that means is if you have three or four people and they all respond to fear a different way, what that means is they bring those natural gifts, their natural ability to pause, their mm-hmm. natural ability to seek peace and pray- prayer, their natural ability to proceed or take action judiciously. If we bring all those together, we have a family dynamic where fear is just not going to have much of a stronghold in our homes. And I think um, if someone who, just before we go to break, I guess I I do want to say there may be some who are, some folks who are not Christian, but maybe there is that one um, strong uh, element in their lives, whomever that might be. Um, So I don't want to just... um, say that well unless you're a christian you're not going to find find the resolution but i would hope that how whatever your belief is and whatever your life's journey is that there would be at least some uh person some um element some uh being wherever that is the one focus for you do you agree with that though kathy Oh, Robin, I'm so glad you said that because I really believe peace is worth seeking no matter what your perspective or your background right. or your faith. Yeah. yeah. Your beliefs are. I really think peace is something we should seek. I it just, share, as you know, I'm just sharing what I personally believe Absolutely. because I'm always open about my own personal. I just, yeah, I just wanted to frame that. And I'm not saying, I, I, I truly do believe that too. We, we've got a, a break right here coming up. Uh, so on the other side, I just want to talk a little bit about um, uh, maybe some tips and some actions that we can take uh, in order to be able to uh, push, pause, and proceed. So uh, I, I want to uh, be right back with Kathy Craffey. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, marlintabaka.com. 
That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A dot com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Well known in medical practices that patients tend to lie about their health habits. They lie about how much they smoke, understate how much they drink or eat, and overstate how much they exercise. What's another word for those little white lies we like to tell in the examination room? Teradiddles. Doctors have a rule of thumb. Whatever the patient says they're drinking, smoking, or eating, multiply it by two. But it's hard to come clean about your habits when you know you're in for some jobation from the doctor. That's criticism we don't want to hear. If physicians want us to be honest with them, I suggest they try being a little less judgmental and use a little suaviloquence. That's soothing, encouraging talk. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you're back. We've had such an amazing conversation. And as I just said, coming back uh, in the intro, if you are wanting to hear this episode or any of our episodes on Passing 50, go to Passing50.com. You can also find us on BeckMultimedia.com. You can also find us on iTunes. We love the fact that, as we were saying earlier, people can download our podcasts and take them with you. Uh, Now that kids are back to school, and if you are doing some uh, some things uh, while the kids are back at school, throw the podcasts on and enjoy. We were talking uh, in the last segment, Kathy, about uh, your method is to uh, pause, pray, and proceed. And we were kind of uh, alluding that maybe there are some who may not be Christian. We want to make sure that we're inclusive. Maybe it might be pause take uh find peace and then proceed we do need to find something within us uh that's going to help balance that fear and the only way to conquer it is to find to use techniques that work for us um and i was kind of doing a little reading about fear uh before we were getting ready for this show kathy and i was reading i I loved in the first segment you were talking about that one to ten scale because i think sometimes uh we can our imaginations might take uh take us away and we might escalate fear uh, instead of helping to diffuse it. And if we put it in that scale and realize we're really only talking about a three or a four, we're not talking about a 10 or exceeding a 10, looking at it sort of in perspective gives us the ability to sort of realize maybe, well, okay, I've I've handled a six or a seven before. This is a four. I can do this. Do you do, Have you found that to be helpful for you? Yes. I, in fact, I have, I actually learned this from one of my kids. She and her husband do this. They'll say on a scale of zero to 10, what number is this? Mm. And I, I, when, when she told me that they were doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so genius. I started doing it at my house too. It really helps. And, and the truth is sometimes we do face things that are seriously tens. 
I have a friend right now who's having some pretty major su- surgery, another one who has ca- been diagnosed with a pretty serious form of cancer. So there are times in life when we when we need to rally the troops because we are facing a 10. And it's good to know that and not not get distracted by the threes and the fours. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you know that you're facing a 10, and I have to say when I was facing my 10 uh, with cancer, um, the first thing that I did was I tried to learn as much as I could. Um, so I was controlling my imagination if you will because I needed to to learn okay what are we talking about the five minutes that you have with the physician when they come in and they sit down and they tell you the news they give you uh your next appointment and then they leave and you're saying but 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 wait I've got something to ask and you really need to sit down and prepare yourself if you've got that big um job interview tomorrow you prepare yourself and then if you feel more prepared I think you have a better grip on what you're facing and then you arm yourself with what you need to get through I I think the the biggest thing that was uh, a help to me I went into the the hospital that I initially had treatment at was uh, Mass General and they had a wonderful library a lending library Mm -hmm. for the whole oncology department and you as a patient could go in and sit and read or you could borrow books. And I I found this book that talked about um, looking at the cancer within you as if they were these little enemy soldiers and that your body's health and healthy cells were the defendants. And your little, you actually visualize these little tiny soldiers within your body. And the more you can do to strengthen those little, those little soldiers, defending soldiers against the enemy, we're going to help you beat this, this disease. And it sounds so simplistic. It sounded so, uh, at first you're reading it and you're saying, okay, yeah, okay, this is really cute. But then you're really starting to believe this and you visualize it. I felt so prepared every time I went into chemo. Every time I watched what I was eating, I rested when I had to rest because I knew I needed to get up and do something at 4 o'clock. So I made sure I put my alarm on that I laid down at 10.30 or 11 o'clock so that I had the strength. I was arming my little defenders in my body and I truly found that that was the thing that helped me get through and it helped me overcome it you are afraid when you're facing something like that mm-hmm. uh what's going to happen to my children what's going to happen will my husband will be alone you, you think of the um all of the things uh, what's going to happen to my family and but yet i was able to manage that in my way and i think everybody has to find their own way that that's just the way I dealt with it well I love it that you brought that up we we just heard that very theory or idea from a very dear very dear friend of ours who is facing Mm -hmm. cancer and his his uh, wife was telling us that exact way of processing and so it's interesting you should mention that I find that very encouraging too by the way Uh, one of the things that not only do we have physical things that we're afraid of, but serious, a 10 for me or a 9 at least, was when Dave and I 
were looking at divorcing and trying to figure out how to make our marriage work in a way that would be comfortable for both of us and really reflect true fellowship. And I learned to ask great questions. And and so one of the questions I learned to ask was, what would make today better for you? What would make today better and less fearful or less bad or less, you know, less uncomfortable, whatever. But how could we make what what could happen today that would make the day better? And I'm still asking that question. I mean, that's the right to me. The right question is worth what you pay the psychologist. I sometimes they would ask a good question and I would write it down and memorize it before the next time we came back. And I would try to use it a couple times before we got back because we had so many communication issues. And so to me, one of the ways you get great data, great information is by collecting really good questions and then using them. Mm-hmm. We have so much at our fingertips and there's off always the, the um, things that aren't as accurate when you have the internet to be able to scour for anything. Yeah. You do have to know that there are things that are probably not as accurate out there, but there certainly are valid uh, sources. We're very fortunate that we're in this generation, that we have resources online. Think about years ago, just going to the library, and if you were reading a book, it might have been published 20 years prior. So if you're talking about looking up something, say, about cancer, well, even if it was five years old, you're talking very uh, archaic data. You're not talking very accurate. But hopefully uh, people are, are assessing things in a very positive way. But preparing really does help you overcome whatever it is you feel fearful of, I think. I do too. And, and I was just thinking about ways this really translates into our families. For instance, as an older person with grandchildren, my, you know, God forbid, there are moments when your children face true tens or that is your grandchildren. But most of the, most of the things I talk about with my little grandbabies, it's, they're more like a, you know, a three or four, but I call this a superpower. It's a grandparent superpower. And I was just going to share this with you because I think it's funny. It took me, <laughs> The first time we knew we were fixing to have a grandbaby, nine months, it took me nine months, and I still did not have a grandmother name. I was going around calling myself the grandmother because I just did not know what else to call myself. (laughs) And I'm coming out of the store one day with my daughter, and we've just bought all these great toys for grandkids. And I said, da-da-da-da, super gram. (laughs) She started laughing. She goes, oh, Bob, that's your name. Because we were science fiction always have and any in cartoons and all the you know the comics so I think of this way of diagnosing fear and the way we respond to fear now as one of those superpowers and to me it reminds me of the one where they have telekinesis telepathy you know where you can kind of read you're supposedly can read the other person's mind well when you can identify what the other person is feeling instead of taking it personally, they're they're especially if they're fighter or fleeing or freezing. If you instead of taking that personally, if you can identify that is fear operating in this person that I love, whether it's your grandchild or your husband or whoever, if you can identify it and then know to redirect it so that you are pausing and I say pray, but we can say seek peace and then proceeding. 
Well, you have so changed the dynamic of your family. Instead of letting fear beat up on you, now you are pushing fear back and putting up a boundary so your family is safe. And you're using fear in the way it's meant to be used, which is to motivate us to do really awesome, great things. Mm. That's wonderful, Kathy, to think of fear as being a motivator. We're just about at the end of the hour, Kathy. Before I, we close out, though, I just want to slip in that there are times, and you were talking about um, with your uh, husband going to seeking a counselor, there are times we may need to seek a counselor. It might be just talking to a clergyman. It might be talking to your primary care physician. It might be other clinical practitioners. I think if there comes a point in any of our lives that we realize that fear is just becoming a barrier instead of that inspiration, um, just that conversation with that person. Maybe it's a partner, a, a life coach. It could be anything of that nature, but I think that's that certainly needs to be in our wheelhouse that we need to remember um, that that might, and then that beca- that facilitates the, the positive outcome. I love that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, you know, I like to borrow wisdom mm. and I have this great quote that to me summarizes the whole point. We understand this stuff because we want to serve others effectively. We want to create families that are dynamic and full of fellowship and companionship for a lifetime. So I got this great quote from Princess Diana. She said, I want my boys to have an understanding of people's emotions, their insecurities, people's distress, and their hopes and dreams. And of course, there was no one more devoted to meeting the most fragile people and lifting them up than Princess Diana. So I love that she saw that as a beautiful thing for her boys what a wonderful way to close the show kathy craffy i want you to all go to her website kathy craffy.com and certainly tune in to fireside talk radio this is robin boyd with passing 50 we hope to see you soon we're glad you spent this time with us today relax passing 50 isn't so bad and every year after can be great too you're in good company Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50.